Bob Cusack with The Hill newspaper. Back again with Mark Penn, as we always do. What's the word that sums up your polling, Mark? Well, I think uh, this month it's sort of um, a new kind of word. I'll call it Trump Biden. Uh, and, and that's my word, Trump Biden, because uh, Trump and Biden are making comebacks, as unlikely as it, as it seemed. And I don't know whether they're going to be sustained. I don't know whether or not they're just taking advantage of the vacuum between now and the primary season. But it seems like they are, to some extent, consolidating you know, their leads. Uh, and we may wind up with what America doesn't want, the rematch of the century. That's true, and, and we'll get into some more data on, on that on a potential third-party challenge. But the banking crisis, uh, the White House has obviously been very focused on that. Um, but your polling shows that a lot of people are not really bothered by that. It's not like it's, it's inflation, which obviously is a top issue in the country right now. Well, not a lot of depression babies in the electorate right now. <laughs> uh, basically, they're used to, you know, going to their cash machine, pulling out their money and don't really have many concerns that that's not going to happen. And so I was somewhat surprised that uh, they were totally nonplussed by the banking crisis. What banking crisis? Meanwhile, Silicon Valley was flipping out and thinks there could be a disastrous number of startups rolling over and curtailing of innovation. You don't see that. The public was laser focused on inflation. That's what they see as hitting their pocketbooks. They think that uh, their money is going to be available. They don't think much of the banking crisis. And by the way, they're perfectly uh, fine with guaranteeing everybody's deposits. And, mm -hmm. and so consequently, they think that's going to happen anyway. And uh, Wall Street seems to be, uh, you know, all tied up over this crisis, but not Main Street. The uh, Republican Party had an uptick in your poll, and we've seen that uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy's put Democrats on on defense on on a couple things on a ESG retirement rule that Biden vetoed, the DC crime bill divided Democrats, and of course uh, you always want to divide the other party. Um, but we're heading into budget season. Uh, but uh, do you think that's that's an indication that? Uh, you know, the House majority has gotten off to a, a pretty decent start. Well, it's an indication that America was looking for divided government and they got it. They wanted to put the brakes on all the spending. Uh, and I, I don't think they see Kevin McCarthy as the lightning rod that Nancy Pelosi really became. She's one of the most divisive, you know, figures in, uh, in politics. And so you see even the approval rating of Congress, you know, went up uh, significantly. So, so I think that you're you're seeing America uh, satisfied a little bit more, not that the country is satisfied by any means with anything, uh, that, that they've got divided government and they've got some breaks on spending. One thing that Congress is considering, just held a hearing uh, with uh, the, the top official at TikTok, is banning TikTok. Uh, your poll shows 45% support banning it, uh, which is pretty split. There are different categories below that 45%. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, this is something obviously such a such a popular thing, especially with with kids. And you know, some we've talked to some members who say that they don't allow their kids to be on on TikTok. Um, but I mean, do you think the Biden administration is going to make that big decision of banning TikTok? Will TikTok be banned? I I don't think so uh, because they have 150 million users. And so um, 
I think they've been tied to China, and I think that a, a, a legitimate concern has been raised about what happens to the data and the information that can be can be garnered. Though the information really amounts to, you know, what kind of videos and film clips you like to watch. Uh, so it's not medical data by and large, though it could be. Um, I think that uh, that 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 banning it outright to me. Uh, is a very, very significant step. Because if you can ban TikTok because they have a Chinese owner, well, then you could, what would stop you from banning Twitter or Facebook or, or any platform that you thought had a, you know, was politically unacceptable in some way? I think it's a very slippery, slippery road that hasn't been thought through entirely. Uh, and I suspect that TikTok will want to work things out on another, on another basis here. But yeah, and you raise some good points because unlike other situations, uh, it doesn't seem like the, and I know maybe it's because it's somewhat classified, but it doesn't seem like the rationale for banning TikTok other than saying national security has been fully explained to the American public, which would make it obviously harder to ban it. Yeah, no, I mean, when you look at, at other things like that have been banned, like sensitive communications equipment, or you look at... Uh, bans by government workers using TikTok on their government phones. It looks like the public's very comfortable with things like that. They probably would be very comfortable with banning all social media from government phones. What is a person doing with social media on a government phone in the first place? Right. So, uh, uh, I think they're, they're, they're good with that. Um, and as I say, it's a, it's, it's a divided issue, but hey, the First Amendment is still in the corner, right? Do we live in a country? where Congress can ban mass communications networks uh, shared by 150 million people. We know they can regulate them somewhat. We know they can regulate the ownership somewhat. They could insist more, probably insist more national or U.S. ownership. But banning, you know, mass platforms, I think, uh, has larger implications. That hasn't been thought through. And by the way, people don't think that Congress can do an effective job at regulating things like this. They don't, they don't understand technology. It moves too quickly. Uh, and, and so we don't have a regulatory framework in place for dealing with issues like this. Uh, another interesting finding in, in the data is that 61% uh, believe Biden should have visited East Palestine, Ohio, uh, after the accident uh, immediately. And he still has not, and we've talked about this, whether it's the border, you know, if you're president of the United States, you should you should show up. Um, and and we've talked to Democrats from Ohio who have been basically begging uh, Biden to go. Buttigieg, the, the transportation, transportation secretary, finally went, but his numbers are really bad in your poll. I mean, this, this seems to be a classic mishandling uh, of, of the incident. Why, why do you think they... they they went about it this way. Um, look, you, you can always speculate about the obvious. The obvious is, hey, we're not, we never won Ohio. We're not winning Ohio. We're not going there. Who cares? Right. right. Now, and one likes to think that when there's something like a train accident, uh, that you would, it doesn't matter what state it's in, right? If that, if that had happened in New York, do you believe Joe Biden would have been there? Right. And, and, and so that would be, Hopefully not the case, you know, hopefully they thought, well, it's not really as serious as it's being depicted in the media uh, and the bills are being contained. But nevertheless, 
it, it is odd that the president didn't go, and then Buttigieg's handling of this was was really incompetent in so many ways that he really shredded his political career. And so you kind of wonder, is it possible that they're saying that's Ohio and we, we're, you know, it's a double points against us and what's the point? I mean, you just can't believe that they would, they would actually think this way, but, but it is, it is otherwise perplexing as to how they could do such a terrible job at handling that. But you think this will have lasting impact on Buttigieg's future? Obviously, ran for president, uh, did pretty well. Uh, people didn't even know how to say his name. He, he, he parlayed that into getting this cabinet post. But but you think this will hurt him going forward? Oh, I think the clip of uh, of him responding to questions about the train uh, derailment by saying he's on personal time, I think that is devastating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the the poll does, you know, is is good news for for Donald Trump. Uh, the former president, as of this recording, has not been indicted, but that's been looming uh, for days. And of course, he could be indicted on on multiple uh, counts, whether it's about January 6th, the classified documents. New York is the focus right now. Um, why do you think that that Trump's numbers, uh, how, you know, he solidified, you know, your polling showed that Trump was the biggest loser of 2022 of the midterm election. But 2023 has been a better year for him. Well, I think that, that the continued inflation, the continued low performance of, of President Biden, and, and frankly, Trump uh, taking a lower profile, right, is helpful. Trump, it's always Trump v. Trump, and Trump usually loses to Trump. Uh, and in the sense that he has not really, you know, uh, I think, said a lot of things that have gotten him into the same kind of trouble. I think the closest he got into getting himself in trouble, which people thought was irresponsible, was the idea of calling for mass protests in response to his indictment, especially after January 6th. People thought that was, that was, but the more he does things like that, the more he gets in the news, generally the worse he does and the more he pulls back. Um, but people do see that some of the problems like immigration, uh, inflation, the economy that he was good at are, are, or seen as good at are the problems that are bubbling up here is the number one, two and three problems in the country. And that's operating surprise, you know, in his, in his favor. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's a shoe in, I think, for the, for the Republican nomination, but he, he is well positioned. He has a serious, uh, challenger. Uh, we don't know, you know, we can, we can say we know how these indictments will play themselves out. I think the thing about with these indictments is that they look political. They're all by Democratic prosecutors and Democratic areas. Um, and, and they, and so people regard them as political events rather than genuine legal events. And that was some of the most interesting polling where people said, well, should he be indicted? And it was 50-50 and it was all you know, split right down the middle based on people's political view, not based on their assessment of a legal case. They then went on to say basically they thought he'd be acquitted and that there it was a weak case, but they thought he should be indicted anyway because heck, why should, you know, let's take him out. And and Trump has been going after DeSantis uh, because he's he's obviously the main threat, uh, but DeSantis numbers still are pretty solid. He's fourteen points above water. Uh, Nikki Haley, 11 points, not as well known. Um, you know, we saw in 2015 and 2016, Jeb Bush not respond to Trump uh, for the longest time. 
and it ended up hurting him. I, I, you know, I don't think he was destined to win that year anyway. But you know, Trump has been hitting DeSantis on entitlements, Medicare, and Social Security, on ethanol in Iowa. Uh, how do you think he's got to play that? Because he's kind of been DeSantis has been kind of jabbing back, but he hasn't he hasn't landed a haymaker yet. Of course, he's not in the race. Yeah, I mean, DeSantis continues to be in a strong position. He's sort of not strengthening his position as he was in the past month after month, so he's sort of plateaued. He does have a 76% approval within the Republicans. I think Trump has a 71% approval. So even though Trump is, is, is ahead by, you know, close to 10 points or 10 or more points, I think, uh, in the head to head, in the Republican primary for the for the presidential nomination, uh, DeSantis has a lot of potential to, to play itself out and and, and match uh, Trump here. And he, I think he's trying to pick and choose when he comes out. Generally, you don't want to step on your own presidential announcement. You want to make that kind of an incredible lift to who you are and what you're going to do and present a vision, you know, forward for the country. And so I think he's trying to not get ahead of himself and to save his power for that for that big day. You know, one of the themes of your new polling data is that Biden and Trump have solidified themselves. Uh, most in the Republican Party, the data show, thinks that Trump will win. And of course, people like to back a winner. Most think if he's indicted, Trump will be acquitted. Uh, with Biden, he's also got stronger numbers is that because you think that Democrats are are coming, you know, as you know, as the polling shows that their Democrats are wary of Biden running as a, a second term? But do you think that some Democrats are like, all right, well, we've, we're, we're kind of accepting him and he's going to be the one that's going to win the nomination? I think we see that among Democrats, Biden surged, I think, about five points uh, in terms of the Democratic presidential nomination. And people are coming around, well, maybe he could do it. And, and right now he's the only figure around which the party can consolidate. And he's got the party machinery and apparatus, you know, basically at his, uh, at his command. So, uh, I am, I would surprise, but he seems to be kind of tightening his grip on the Democratic party, party. And if it's not him, there, it's a wide open field completely open. Nobody has any advantage. Hillary's, you know, and, and Harris are both disliked and, and received barely above double digits in terms of support. So uh, we don't know. It's, you know, it's like Bill Clinton in 92. You just you just don't know who the nominee would be. That's often a good thing. Oftentimes right. good nominees emerge from these wide open processes. But for now, uh, for now, Biden has moved himself forward from improbable nominee to almost probable nominee, and I think I think Trump is doing the same thing, but he does. But the, the big difference is while Biden has no apparent challenger, Trump has a very significant challenger. And you know, as far as Biden winning, uh, and I remember before the 2020 election, you said that Trump's numbers, you know, he was still stuck in in the low to mid 40s, and that was. That was going to be tough for him to win, and and he didn't win. It was close, but but Biden won. Uh, Biden's numbers in the low forties. Can he win at those numbers? Yeah, if you're you know you really have to be up against Barry Goldwater uh, to win with low forties numbers. Right? Basically, you just think through the 
do the, the, the math. You need 47, 48% to win. People are generally reluctant to vote for you if they don't think you're doing a good job. Why do they want to keep you in office? Uh, and in the low, basically the way this works is if you're over 50, you're almost definitely going to get reelected. If you're 45 to 48, you're going to slug it out and you have a reasonable chance. And if you're 40 to 43 or four, you know, very high probability you're going to be out of office. So, uh, and, and really, uh, his ratings have settled in at the Democratic base and he gets almost none of the independents giving him a positive nod. So it's, it's hard to see how he gets reelected. And the only thing he can do is that is to kind of paint Trump as, as worse. Just a couple of foreign policy questions. What what did you, what was your takeaway on on China? You had some questions on there, as well as support for for Ukraine. Recently, DeSantis got a little flack from some Republicans saying that that's a territorial dispute, and then he kind of backtracked a little bit. Uh, you know, what's the public mood on on China and Ukraine? Yeah, uh, I'm surprised at the wave of anti-China sentiment here. I think it's it's very strong. China is seen as seen as an enemy, not an ally, as a challenger with, with real confidence, as a, as a government that's likely to move against Taiwan. I don't think that, you know, Chinese government, boy, they need an image campaign in America <laughs> uh, uh, because, because I think their image is really sunk here. Uh, and uh, uh, compared to, you know, back when Nixon opened China, and I think during the interim period, there was more of a welcoming, kind of, I think, deep and growing suspicion among the American public of China uh, and it's playing footsie with Russia sure isn't helping you know it, its image here image here in America uh, and so and so that's China on the Ukraine the public remains generally supportive of the Ukraine and I think DeSantis sees himself as wow I've got to get some Trump voters so I'm going to be more isolationist I'm going to be more culturally conservative I think he makes a mistake in, in doing any of those things I think that he should be who he is, and he should basically rely on competence to get him across. That that he's got the experience of a governor. He's he dealt with the pandemic. He dealt with hurricanes. He's kept taxes low. You know, he's, that he should just you know say that he can do all the things that the public really wants, and not try to take these ideological swipes uh, that I think get him into to, to more trouble than it's worth. I mean, Republicans are more hesitant. Uh, about the Ukraine. Generally, the Democratic electorate is like all in. Uh, the public approves of the expenditure so far. Uh, they do believe that it, it puts Russia and Putin at bay to, by tying them up in a war that they can't win either. Uh, and they would approve another $10 billion of expenditures, but, but they are, they are getting a little anxious about, you know, if it gets up to a hundred billion or so, uh, they, they are getting somewhat anxious about this moment. Uh, last question, just uh, general thoughts. Look at what are you looking for going forward in the spring? It's budget season. We're going to have the, the debt limit fight. Uh, what are you watching in the months ahead? Well, looking to see here kind of, you know, normally this should be relatively boring part of the, of the cycle. You know, public opinion has really kind of uh, stabilized in the sense that, uh, you know, Biden's ratings are in the low 40s and I don't, I don't think he's going to climb out of it. Uh, people like the idea of clamping down on spending. The, the putting some restrictions on the debt extension is more popular than not. Are the Democrats going to come out for more spending and bite some kind of spending restrictions? They could be on the losing end of that. And 
I don't think the public is, you know, the public was nonplussed about the, uh, uh, about the, um, uh, bank crisis. I don't think they're going to see the debt limit as something affecting them either. It's not the same thing when the government shut down and social security checks didn't go out. That affected, you know, tens of millions of Americans. I don't think they're all sitting there with government bonds, clipping the coupons. So, uh, so I, I think Democrats have to play this one. Oh, you know, in a, in a way, I think that doesn't, you know, promote a big split and fight in, in front of the country. Uh, we'll see if they do. Yep, the fiscal fights are coming. Well, thanks, Mark. 